When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Cannon Cast, a Columbus Blue Jackets podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, PD. I'm the manager over at the Cannon. We have had a lot to discuss this week in the comments with two big pieces of breaking news. Uh, the Blue Jackets have greatly overhauled their blue line, uh, which obviously was a major weakness last year. Uh, and now they've gotten some help first on Tuesday. They acquired Ivan Provorov from the Philadelphia Flyers. And then on Friday, they acquired Damon Severson from the New Jersey Devils uh, and got him on a contract extension. So two big uh, deals. So, of course, like I always like to do when this happens, I wanted to reach out to uh, my friends across the hockey blogosphere here to get their perspective on these players from having watched them uh, for a while now. Um and initially, I was going to put them both in one podcast, but both interviews were podcast length in their own right. So I'm going to do two separate episodes here. They're both going to go up today. Um, I'm really happy with how these went. I learned a lot. Uh, there's some good things. There's some bad things about these guys. But um, yeah, listen for yourself. Come to your own conclusions. Let us know what you think about uh, you know what these players are like, what they add to the Blue Jackets, whether these moves were worthwhile. So for this episode, we're going to start out with uh, Ivan Provorov. We're going to be talking to Steph Driver from Broad Street Hockey. Uh, she's going to give her perspective. So let me go over first all the details on this trade. So it was a big deal. It was a three-team trade, which we don't see a lot of like meaningful three-team trades here. Uh, LA got... Uh, Cal Peterson, a uh, goalie from L.A. that's been struggling. Uh, Sean Walker, defenseman. Prospect Helga Granz, a 2024 second-round pick from L.A. A first-round pick from Columbus, which is actually coincidentally L.A.'s first-round pick, number 22. And then a second-round pick from us that will either be 2024 or 2025. We'll have until next year to decide that. Uh, L.A., got rid of the Cal Peterson contract. That was the big thing for them. They also got two AHL players from Philly, Hayden Hodgson and Kevin Connaughton. Remember Kevin Connaughton? <laughs> that's a that's a blast for the past for us. Uh, LA also retained 30% of Provorov's salary. Uh, and that is important because his cap hit otherwise would have been 6.75 million. Now for us, he, it is just a 4.725 cap hit. Uh, for each of the next two seasons. So that's a lot more reasonable for a 
second pair defenseman, which is what he will be. He is a left-handed shot, so he will be below Zach Wierenski on the depth chart. Of course, coincidentally, Provera was drafted number seven in 2015, one spot ahead of Wierenski. Now, he does come with some controversy. Back in January, he did not participate in warm-ups on Pride Night, did not wear the special Pride jerseys they were wearing during warm-ups. This created a storm of controversy that spread across the league. Um, We do touch upon that here in this episode, uh, not necessarily getting into the, you know, debating his actions, but I was more curious to know maybe what led up to it and what were the implications after the fact, what was the impact in the locker room, you know, and kind of wondering how that will affect how he fits in going forward. So uh, again, hope you enjoy it. After listening to this, check the feed and you'll see uh, the next interview, which will be about uh, Damon Severson uh, from the New Jersey Devils. We are joined now by Steph Driver from the Broad Street Hockey Radio podcast, which I have to say, I don't really care about the Flyers, but this is one of my favorite hockey podcasts. I love listening to it. The gang there there does a great job. So Steph Driver, welcome back to the Cannoncast. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I also don't care too much about the Flyers, but I have to talk (laughs) regularly. Yeah, no, I, I know the feeling. Yeah, this has been a... A long week for Jackets fans with lots of ups and downs and makes me feel a lot of feelings about the team. It's been that kind of thing. So I completely uh, understand. Yeah, I've got you here to talk about a really big trade, a big three-team trade in the NHL, which we don't see a lot of those. When we get them, it's usually, oh, this third team is, you know, getting a fifth round pick to retain 25% of salary (laughs) or something like that. But this is a a trade with Philly and LA where I feel like every team got something that they needed despite all having very different needs. So uh, for you, what was your reaction to the trade and were you, were you expecting Provorov to get dealt at this point? Yes. Yeah. We were expecting that Provorov would be dealt over the summer. This was Mm -hmm. a little bit sooner than we thought, but this was a great trade for all three teams. And you don't see that very often. It's a win-win-win across the board. Yeah. So Ivan Provorov has been uh, very discontented with the Flyers locker room for quite a few years. And things just kind of came to a head this year. Um, And he didn't want to be here anymore. The Flyers didn't want him here anymore. And it just, it made sense. He needed a change of scenery and Columbus, like he's going to do great for you guys. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I know the, the pride night thing has got a lot of the attention and that I think exposed a lot of people to Provorov being kind of on the outs in Philly. But I know from, again, listening to the pod that from like a year ago at the end of the 22 season, that things were kind of icy between him and the team. Do you know anything about what was causing that? Why was why was he at outs with the rest of the Flyers? Um, Provorov is really quick to blame everyone else for his mm. defensive mistakes. Um, yeah. And he is not afraid to throw teammates under the bus if it makes him look better. And that sucks. And the, the team was getting really sick of that because they were bad across the board. Like, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. The right. 2022, 23 Flyers are a nightmare. And so were the, the, the last year's team. So 
the fact that you're going to blame your poor play on your teammates who are also playing poorly, it, it didn't go over well. Um, and he had been over the past few years, uh, very vocal in the locker room about how he is the best defenseman. He mm. needs to be the best defenseman. He is better than everyone else and he gets paid better than everyone else. And he is better than everyone else. And people got real sick of that whole attitude. So it's going to be very interesting to see <laughs> how that plays with Babcock. Yeah. Or it also coming into a team where Zach Wierenski is the highest paid defenseman and a long-term defenseman here and a leader in the locker room. So uh, yeah, it is, this is his show Yep. Provorov cannot be the guy here. Now, was he, did he have any people on the team that he was close to at any point in his career? Was there anyone that maybe the team had lost that affected his mood or his play? Yes. Uh, he was really close to Matt Niskanen and they mm -hmm. played super close together uh, and they played well together. And that definitely had an impact on him. Provorov is a really good um, second defense defenseman. If you're going to play him at three or four, yeah. you're going to get you're going to get the best of Ivan Provorov. He was asked to play really hard minutes, and he does. Like he'll he'll mm -hmm. rack up 26 minutes a night, no problem. But he's not a one D. He just isn't. So if you're going to get him playing 26 minutes a night as a third D, that's phenomenal. Like you guys are going to get the right version in the right place of Ivan Provorov. Yeah, he's paid probably a little bit more than he should be for a 3D, but LA handled that for you guys. Right. That And that's my big thing there is, uh, you know, if he was getting paid the, you know, 6.5 or whatever, which, you know, which we're also offering to Damien Severson, who <laughs> I'll be covering here in another interview uh, that's coming up uh, on this feed. But, uh, but Provorov at 4.25 or whatever, that is in line with what you would expect a second pair guy to be making. Um, one theory I have when I was asking about sort of off ice stuff is uh, we've got a number of Russians in the mm -hmm. locker room. And I feel like I can't think of many other prominent Russian players that the Flyers have had in recent years. And now he's, he's a guy that I know played in North America even before joining the NHL yeah. and everything, but I still, you know, it, maybe that'll make him more comfortable having some of his countrymen that he can spend time with or be around. And I think that has helped some of the young players uh, on the jackets, having older players that speak Russian that can sort of help them get acclimated. Yeah. I, I actually am, am racking my brain to think about the last Russian player we had. And if they were tight with Provorov, I know we've had a lot of Swedes and they, they like to stick close together. I know yeah. Kevin Kevin Hayes is friends with everyone on the team. <laughs> sure. I'm just trying to think of who else Ivan Provorov was like friendly with. And there isn't anyone that I can think of, which for a team a couple years ago where they were just all friends and Kevin Hayes was texting them every single morning that he missed them because he wasn't playing <laughs> and it was COVID. Yeah. That was never Ivan Provorov. Now he's got, a dog. Let me tell you about Drake, the pup star. Please do. He is this gorgeous golden retriever dog and is easily more famous than Ivan Provorov. <laughs> There's a video that 
went viral of Provorov carrying Drake around in a backpack in Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's Drake the pop star. No one was like, oh my God, that's Ivan Provorov. Well, and this week I was reminded of a video that I know I had seen, but I forgot that it was Provorov where his dog meets Gritty for yes. the first time, where it starts out with the dog being afraid and then ends with him being a very typical golden retriever and just melting in Gritty's arms. Yeah. And it's so good. Yeah. Drake the pup star. That's that's a win for the Blue Jackets <laughs> for sure. And this is a team where lots of guys have dogs and love their dogs. Wierenski has a golden doodle, I know. And so uh, so he could maybe fit in there. Um, and it the Jackets have, I feel like, for a while had great locker room chemistry and that has been a thing that they've emphasized. And so, you know, with the, with Provorov's pride night stance for me, it's not, if you, you know, and people are going to disagree about the, the political stance there, but the other thing that stands out to me is this is something that not just the team wanted to do, but like there are players on the team, like Scott Lawton, who I know is leader in locker room, who this was an issue that was important to him. Yes. And so Provorov taking his stance also is kind of making him distinct from the rest of the locker room and things like that that can divide the room, I think, can have a negative effect. Now, again, locker room chemistry isn't everything because certainly I think the team this year in Columbus still had good chemistry, but they still sucked yeah. and for any number of reasons. But so that was something like I, you know, I want a guy who will buy into the team concept. And like you said, if he has an ego and thinks that he should be playing more, get paid more, any of this stuff like that, um, it can bring a toxic energy to the team that I think can drag a lot of guys down. And especially on a team that's going to have a lot of young players coming into it. I think they can learn a lot from what the established veterans are doing and how they carry themselves. And if there's someone who has that attitude that can rub off. And I think in a bad way, and that is something that I'd be concerned about in this case. I would also be really concerned about that. And I would, if I were you, keep a really close eye on it. Mm -hmm. uh, because this is something that wasn't just because of the Pride Night. The Pride yeah. Night situation, which was um, after the team as a whole had decided they were going to wear warm-up jerseys mm -hmm. for their Pride Night, Ivan Provorov separately, without speaking to anybody except for John Tortorella, said, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I'm not going to skate for warmups. Um, and that led to a big confrontation in the locker room, including Scott Lawton, because this was something, uh, and James Van Riemsdyk, actually. Mm -hmm. So they are two players who um, really care about treating everyone equally and care about the LGBTQ community. Um, so there was a confrontation in the locker room and things just devolved. Things yeah. evolved since then. And this is not the first time there's been a confrontation in the locker room involving Ivan Provorov. So yeah, I would I would definitely look for any 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 type of ego that you hear from him. And he you'll hear it in his post-game mm -hmm. interviews. You'll hear it from him. Um maybe, but maybe a change of scenery is what he needs. Maybe, maybe not being the number one guy is exactly what he needs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I hope that, that it can be yeah, a change of scenery helps a it maybe just it can be a humbling experience being traded like that when you were such a high pick for a franchise and now they're saying we don't really want you, you know, we're moving on from you. Um, and so this is a, a fresh start, a chance for him to make 
uh, positive new impression, new teammates, new coach, new city, all of that. And in a place too, with uh, less pressure, yeah. you know, in Columbus than you get in Philly, Philly fans are very demanding and the media is like very on top bit. of things. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's, uh, let's turn to the, to the on ice side of things. What kind of defenseman is Ivan Provorov? What things does he excel at and what are his weaknesses? So one of his weaknesses is on the power play. He, mm-hmm. he was a power play one defenseman for us for a while and then got bumped to the second power play. He should not be on any power play. He is yeah. not an offensive defenseman. That's just not what you're going to get from Ivan Provorov. You'll get some scoring, but not a ton. Yeah. Um, so he's much more of a stay-at-home defenseman, but not in the pejorative term where right. that's what we use for the guys who can't move. He can skate <laughs> well. He's a very defensive defenseman, and he will eat up minutes for your team. I think we've had him play 30 minutes a night before, and he's he's fine. He's like a okay. The man awesome. lives, breathes, eats the arena. He will never, he's the first one on the ice. He is the last one off the ice in the off season. All he's doing is training, whether it's in Columbus now, Mm -hmm. or um, he did go back to Russia a lot before the war um, summers. Um, And he would be pushing like, truck tires up hills like i'm picturing the rocky four training montage here essentially yeah like provorov is a beast if you want someone who lives and breathes hockey that is this man he's also incredibly intelligent about the game when you listen to him break down plays he's spot on he knows exactly what he's talking about he's very smart the problem is the ego Okay. Well, that's, th- this is actually encouraging to me because I like hearing about a guy that works hard. And if you yes. can set an example as a guy, like he's going to go, if he's going to go hard and practice, if he's going to be there in the weight room, that that's huge. And yeah, hockey intelligence also appeals to me. Yeah. Someone that I can trust that knows what he's doing, knows where he's supposed to be, which sometimes has been an issue with other players on the team and him being a stay at home defenseman actually is not a concern for me at all. We've got enough other guys that can, bring the offense from the blue line. Obviously Wierenski, he is the incumbent power play one guy. Like that's, that's his role. No question. He's a past 20 goal scorer, you know, and I think he could be that again. Adam Boquist, if we still have a spot for Adam Boquist, he's another one who I think could be a top power play unit guy on a lot of teams, but because we've got Wierenski, he's the second unit guy. Um, So yeah, that's not a need for profile, but we do need a, big, strong, stay-at-home defenseman type. You know, we had had that for years with David Savard and then Vladislav Gavrikov. So this was a Gavrikov-shaped hole on the second pair left side. So I feel like uh, it sounds like Provar can fit right into that and, and maybe even be an upgrade because there were some things Gavrikov wasn't necessarily the best skater, wasn't necessarily the best passer either. But if Provorov can skate if he can get the puck up ice. That is huge, especially, and I know Mike Babcock wants to run a very uh, possession-heavy kind of team. So if Provorov can play into that, uh, that is that is a great sign. Yeah, you got a good defenseman there. All of the negativity coming out of Philadelphia was just, he's been not great for so long yeah. here, and he thinks he's great. It was all personality. Mm-hmm. But... I, I think that Columbus is going like you're going to get his usage correctly. And I right. think that's going to make a huge difference in his attitude. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, you mentioned that he played at his best hockey with Matt Niskanen. Yes. Uh, what, what was it about that pairing that worked so well? And what is the kind of partner that fits best with Provorov and helps basically maximize his game? That's a great question. With Matt Niskanen specifically, um, Niskanen carried the pairing. So mm-hmm. Ivan Provorov is a really good complementary first pairing defenseman. Okay. Um, on the second pair, he may not need as strong of a partner. He mm-hmm. may be able to carry a second pair line by himself. Um, but with Niskanen, it was it was just that he was he was the dif- defensive power force and of of like and of course you're thinking Matt Niskanen like he was a defensive <laughs> power force, but he was in that one season for the Flyers he actually was. Um, so Ivan Provorov kind of needed someone to hold his hand to become a really strong first pairing defenseman. And he was the number two. And we'd seen that a couple times with other defensemen who you wouldn't necessarily think of as 1D. Like Shane Gostisbehere played mm-hmm. great next to Ivan Provorov, another great skater and someone who's going to actually score. Yeah. Provorov's not going to do that. He's a really good complementary piece he could probably carry a sec- the second pair, but if you've got a really strong defenseman next to him, there won't be any issues. Okay, that's interesting because I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to piece together what the pairs could look like. Um, and so we, because we know he's going to be second pair left side. And now with the Severson trade, Severson will be either first or second pair on the right side. And then I'm hoping that our young Czech defenseman, David Juracek, will fit somewhere in the top four. And it's a question of, you know, will he be a better fit with Wierenski or with Provorov? And I think Severson has some offensive skills, not as much of a scorer as Wierenski, but the guy who can facilitate things offensively. So, but he can be, can have some lapses in the defensive zone where, so it sounds like Provorov is a guy that could perhaps cover for him. Yep. So he's not coughing up the puck in the defensive zone. He's not getting pinned into the defensive zone. Um, and I'm hoping for Juracek to be like a a Seth Jones type with Wierenski. And just as Wierenski was first pair from his rookie year because yep. he had Jones with them, Juracek could be first pair because he's got Wierenski with him, just playing kind of different roles, but still being helped out that way. So that's what I'm hoping for with the defense. And I'm super excited because I was looking up last year the – top four most played defensemen for the Jackets were uh, Andrew Peak, Eric Goodbranson, Gavrikov, and Tim Burney. So, Amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is a, a huge upgrade over that, uh, which I'm grateful for. So um, back to the Flyers, though. Uh, this was a first big move made by their new general manager, Danny Briere. Uh, they've got Keith Jones coming in as president of Hockey Ops, so big overhaul in the front office, but also this seemed to be the first uh, confirmation that yes, this is a full on rebuild now. Finally, they're saying it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, is it time for that? How do you feel about them going into the rebuild and how long of a process do you think this is going to be? It should have happened two years ago um, (laughs) when Nolan Patrick was no longer going to be playing for the flyers that's when they should have rebuilt because 
without that number two overall draft pick, we're back in the same place that we were before that mm-hmm. got us the number two draft pick. So this is a long time coming. I am, I call myself a realist, but maybe it's more on the pessimistic side. I don't think they're going to win a cup in my lifetime. I oh, think wow. that, I just don't think they will. This is going to take too long to turn around. Um, and that is really hard to win a cup. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think they'll be competitive maybe in the next five years, but I wouldn't expect it more than that. And by competitive, I mean like in the playoffs, not, <laughs> not trying to go for the cup. Yeah. Now, so do you think, um, you know, there's been some rumors about whether or not Carter Hart will be on the move. Do you think that is going to happen this summer? I don't know. I think if it's going to happen, it should happen this summer um, because his value is not going to be any higher than it is right now. I hate the idea of trading the one good goaltender that we've homegrown, but (laughs) if his value is never going to be higher and we just don't have a ton of cap room. So to re-sign him, if he does have a couple stellar seasons, I think if it's going to happen, it has to be this year. Otherwise, Carter Hart's here for the long haul, which is not a bad, it's not a bad solution. So yeah. it's either we trade him for a ton, a, a, a haul, yeah. or he sticks around and is our number one goaltender for for the next 10 years. Neither of those are bad. Yeah, and I do think, yeah, he could be good enough for long enough that when the rest of the team gets good again, you've got your goalie situation set. But I also feel like if you do move him now, I think that could change the timeline because yes. I, think, I think you get enough pieces that instead of a five-year rebuild, maybe it is more of a three to four-year rebuild, at least to be back as a playoff kind of team. Problem no, part is that he's never going to be bad enough to let the Flyers be bad enough to get another <laughs> number one or number two overall. And that is something that you actually have to pay attention to. If you're trying to do a rebuild. Yeah. You have someone on your team who is just a superstar and is not going to let you tank the way that you want to. That's something you've got to look at. Yeah, I think that the Jackets, uh, their goaltending situation last year is a big part of where they finished where they did in the standings. Uh, That could have cost them several draft spots, actually, if they had had even competent goaltending for most of the year. So, uh, And also, I think with Philly, having John Tortorella also raises your floor a bit because you know say what you will about him like he's a he good gets, he gets his teams to play hard even when they don't have great talent on paper they're a hard team to play for sure oh, um, yeah so one one last philly thing that is relevant to columbus is uh because there's been smoke about this move for months now talk me off the ledge about kevin hayes I don't know if I can. (laughs) I'm sorry. He is a great teammate. He is Mm -hmm. definitely someone who is going to bring the locker room together. He is the opposite of a Provorov in that case. Now, towards the end of the season, we did see him starting to pick up his scoring. So we did see that. And I have heard that since Babcock became the coach in Columbus that Columbus has been added to Kevin Hayes, no trade list. Oh, okay. Thank you. 
I have heard that. I don't know if that is 100% confirmed, but that is something that I have from a really good source. So okay. I don't think I don't think you're going to have to worry about that particular trade this season. Okay. Well, that's that is comforting to me. Now, and again, I think he's I think he's definitely a good guy. I know he's a, he's a good friend of Johnny Gaudreau's and um is a certainly brings value and at the center position, which we, we need, yep. but you know, my concern is just with the uh, amount that he's making, he has a, you know, a $7 million cap hit. He has signed for three more seasons. So like we would need, I think significant salary retention, which I don't know if Philly would be willing to do that for, you know, would they eat, you know, 3 million of that for three more years or it's um, possible. It's quite possible. I'm really excited to see what Danny Briere does as general manager. Mm-hmm. His first trade so far has been great. Yeah. And, and creative, you know, cause it's a, not just make a big trade like that, but to involve three teams and do it in a way that made a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a great start for him. And I can understand why, uh, it would bring some positivity to Flyers fans, which they oh, haven't had in a long time. Not even a little bit of positivity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, all right. Thanks for your time today, Steph. We really appreciate We appreciate this insight uh, on this trade. Uh, where can people find you online? I am at D on Twitter and also Blue Sky, which is a new thing that exists. Okay, nice. Um, actually, all of my socials are at D. If you want to find me anywhere, my work is at Broad Street Hockey. All right, excellent. Thanks again so much. We appreciate it. We'll catch you down the Thanks. road. Thanks. It's been great to talk to you. For more content from the Canon, check out JacketsCanon.com or follow us on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.